Hello, my name is Joshua Gilliland, and welcome to another installment of the Legal Geeks Educational Series. I'm the blogger for Bowtie Law and one of the bloggers for the Legal Geeks. Today we'll be examining an in-depth review of one of the most complex areas of civil procedure that just has now a touch of controversy to it. And that is Federal Rule of Civil Procedure, Rule 34B2E. First off, let, let's just set the record that today we're going to be spending a lot of time with statutory construction and how the rule is put together. So first up, let's review the rule. Rule 34BE pertains to the forms of production and organizing documents. So the first part of this subsection, Rule 34BEI, states that the party must produce documents as they are kept in the usual course of business or, and this is the important or, must organize and label them to correspond to the categories in the request. Section II, if a request does not specify a form for producing electronically stored information, a party must produce it in the form or forms in which it is ordinarily maintained or in a reasonably usable form or forms. Now, the way most people have read this rule is that subsection I pertains to documents, so hard pieces of paper in the physical world, and that subsection II pertains exclusively to electronically st stored information, because both are different things, and both have been specifically called out in the rules as they were amended in 2006. Well, a surprise came along. And that surprise was City of Colton. And in it, we have a court that actually stated that the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure, Rule 34B2EI, applied to electronically stored information as well as documents. And this surprised a few people because they weren't expecting that because the rules are different. Documents are different than electronically stored information. And the two, you know, theoretically should not be used synonymously. Well, what the court did was an in-depth review of the, the advisory notes and, and the logic behind the amendments and came up with a different result that a lot of people expected. First off, let's understand the case. It was a complex, multi-party case, and when the parties agreed to their production, they converted ESI to TIFF and other static images, and they produced everything with information that did not reflect the metadata of the native files. So they effectively forced a paper model onto electronically stored information. So that uh, you know, ESI converted to paper would have beginning Bates numbers, ending Bates numbers, page counts, CD volume name, producing party, and production date. All of those things that would kind of make sense in a paper model but they're forcing it into ESI and they completely discarded all the metadata that came with those native files that would have corresponded with everything under subsection II. Well, this caused a problem because as they start reviewing this, and, and this was actually codified as a case management order, so this is part of the controversy, uh, things start going sideways and not as they planned because of the complexity of what they created for themselves. Well, because of the complexity that followed and, and the motion practice, 
the court, they, they didn't set aside the case management order, but they certainly sidestepped it and, and reread you know, what had taken place. First off, in, in part of the statutory history and looking at the advisory committee notes, the court stated that the advisory committee notes uh, specifically recognized that the term document encompassed ESI. And you know, there's beautiful sections right from the advisory notes that state this. And also, you know, just, just to read the quote directly, Rule 34, request for production of documents should be understood to encompass and the response should include electronically stored information. Unless discovery in the action has clearly distinguished between electronically stored information and documents. So that's step one in, in the analysis. The next step is the court looked at what had happened and said, you know, you can't have random productions that don't make any logical sense. And this is what Rule 34B is supposed to prohibit in the first place. And more importantly, we continue that with the production of electronically stored information. Now, this section of the case states that the production of electronically stored information should be subject to comparable requirements to protect against deliberate or inadvertent production in ways that raise unnecessary obstacles for the requesting party. So as we're reading this, we're going like, whoa, this is, we're starting to see, you know, that section I, you know, <laughs> applies to electronically stored information as well. Additionally, a requesting party is entitled to a rationally organized production. So what does that mean? Well, we don't want data dumps taking place. We don't want terabytes of data being imposed upon somebody and saying, here, you go figure it out. And, and that's what this case really is about. Now, on one level, it's about parties being their own worst enemy by uh, having a horrible production and coming up with a system that made it harder for them. But as the case states, it is clear that the parties are entitled under the federal rules to rationally organize productions. So this raises some interesting questions on how do we make this happen practically? Because there are some attorneys who are afraid to use review platforms for whatever reason. And well, a review platform can be your friend in coming up with a strategy that makes sense for, for situations like this. As you're doing document review, use the database and organize with the different issue tagging abilities the responses. So as you, you know, organize your issue tags, create request for production 0001 up through the number of requests that you have for documents or electronically stored information. And as you go through and you're doing your review and your searches and you're finding things that correspond to say request, you know, 0009, you check the box. And if it, you know, corresponds to more than one request, you check the boxes that make sense. This is fantastic for internal tracking. So it's very good that way. So you know what in your production corresponds to the different requests. And furthermore, this can be produced to the other side. So as you're figuring out which extracted text and which metadata to produce to the other side, go ahead and include that. Showing that, you know, the other side that this is organized in addition to being produced in the usual course of business or as ordinarily maintained, and that it shows what matches with what. This will also make your review easier for when they produced information onto you and makes your internal tracking 
far more rational as well and organized and being able to leverage the technology that all these wonderful review platforms have. So again, strategies using the tools to correspond to the code that will make your life easier, make, lower your stress level, and requires a little pre-planning, but can go a long way in making electronic discovery far easier to do. So that concludes today's video segment. Uh, stay tuned for more and have a wonderful day. And thank you for visiting the Lego Geeks. Also, if you'd like to see more of the case, please visit bowtielaw.com. And this case is available uh, with a summary that you can, you can enjoy. Thank you.